The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. Last week we launched out into our capital campaign, giving hope in a future. And we're using this scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. If you would, go ahead and go to 1 Chronicles 4, 9. But in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. How many of you know that God knows the plans that he has for us? It doesn't matter what other people say or think the plans that God has for us. God knows the plans that he has for, for us, declares the Lord. Here's what they are. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I know that you're all getting excited about this. I mean, who wouldn't be excited about knowing that God has good plans for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us and others that are going to come after us a hope and a future? I mean, who wouldn't be excited about that, right? But I do realize that there's some questions that we might have during the process of this capital campaign. We might have to deal with a few emotions. In fact, you're probably going to discover the range of emotions of excitement. Wow, this is amazing what God's going to do, all the way to fear. Oh my God, how on earth are we actually going to be able to do this? And that can happen within the span of about two or three minutes. So I know that there's going to be some questions. There's going to be some emotions that we're dealing with. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to ask any questions that you have during this capital campaign. Our desire is to create clarity about where it is we're going. In fact, we've got a number if you want to punch it into your phone real quickly. 806-437-2664, if you want to punch that in, if you have questions that you want to ask, or you can email us at capitalcampaign at amarillofellowship.com, because we want to answer your questions. We want to create a sense of clarity, but our goal over the next three years is to raise $750,000 in order for us to begin to create a master plan of what it is that God has for us. Now, if you missed last week, you weren't able to be here, you wanted to be here, and you tried everything you could to be here last week, but you weren't able to be here, okay? Go listen to the podcast, all right? Go listen to what it is that we shared because it's real exciting what God has in store for us. Now, we're going to begin on March 1st where we're going to bring our first fruits offering, our first and best offering to the Lord. Now, you say, well, I'm actually going to be giving it at church. No, you we're bringing it to the Lord. I promise that if you'll always give to the Lord and not to me, not to this church, you're always going to be blessed. You're always going to feel good about it. Because when I give to the Lord, I know that I can't ever outgive God. So we're going to bring our first and best to the Lord, not to the church. See, it was Jesus who said at the end of the age that when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto him. So every time you and I serve and give, invest in other people's lives, seeing them grow in their revelation of the goodness of God, we might be investing in things that look like we're giving to people, but in reality, we're giving to the Lord. So we're going to do our first fruits offering during this, and we're also going to bring our commitment cards. Our first fruits offering is going to be that first fruits of what our commitment is going to be over the next three years. So we're looking for 100% participation with this capital campaign. Let me say that again. We are going to look for 100% participation <clears throat> during this capital campaigns, bringing our gifts to the Lord. But listen, it's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. 
What we're asking you to do is pray about what it is that God would have you to do and then be obedient to what it is that God is asking you to do. It's not about equal gifts, but it is about equal sacrifice. What is a sacrifice for me may not be a sacrifice for you. What's a sacrifice for you may not be a sacrifice for me. So we're seeking God, asking God what it is that he would have us to do. Now, the word sacrifice has many different meanings for people. When some people think of sacrifice, they think of having to crawl through broken glass. They think of having to do all kinds of horrible things. In fact, this week I had, a, had lunch with one of our leaders, and we were talking about this issue of bringing a sacrifice, that it's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. And we were talking about this issue of sacrifice, and he said, I don't ever see giving to the Lord as sacrifice. I thought, man, that really is true. See, I don't, I don't see giving as loss. I totally agree with what he's saying, though that's why I've wrestled with even using the word sacrifice, because I always consider it a privilege to give to God, to sacrifice and invest in the kingdom of God by investing in others and investing in life change in others. But I looked up sacrifice on on my computer dictionary, and here's what it says. It says, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Listen, so while many of us have discovered the, the joy of sacrificing for the kingdom of God, there are still many who have not yet discovered this joy. In fact, many of you that have discovered this, you wonder why we keep teaching on it. You're like, Richie, man, we get that. We get that, man, we're to bring the tithe. We, we get that it's a joy to give. You know, we, we understand that. But you naturally assume that everyone gets that. We naturally make the assumption, well, I guess because I get it, everyone understands it. But there are still many who see giving, investing financially, or serving in the kingdom of God as loss. When I give something, it's like that thing is lost forever, not understanding that when I give, it's given unto me. We we see serving other people as loss with with our time. And here's how I know. Despite the fact that we encourage you to give each week, many weeks using scriptural references on the importance of giving, in 2014, of everyone who attended Amarillo Fellowship and filled out a connection card, less than 40% gave anything at all. And only 33% give on a consistent basis. So obviously, a lot of people still see giving as loss. Even though here's what Jesus said in Luke 6, and I touched on it just a second ago, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. See, that's what I'd like to see you living in. I'd like to see you living in the good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, things are being poured into your lap. That all of a sudden an abundance is showing up in your life. That verse concludes though by saying that the measure that you use, that's the measure that it's going to be measured back to you. But you're going to have to decide what it is that you believe. You're going to have to decide whether I'm up here just after your money or I'm up here after you investing in the kingdom of God. You're going to have to decide what you believe. You're going to have to decide if you believe that God really is a good and generous God. And his word is true that when you give, he's giving back to you. See, you can say, I believe all day long, but it was Jesus who said in Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
See, the treasure is always an indicator of where the heart is. If I follow where I'm sacrificed or investing my treasure, it helps me know where my heart is. Now, I don't always get this right, but I want my heart to be connected with a loving and generous Heavenly Father who has amazing plans for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. So I want to learn how to abide in his goodness, to draw from his goodness, to ask God for big things. I'll give you another shot on that one. I want to learn how to abide in his goodness and ask God for big things. In fact, it's what I want to talk about in the remainder of the weeks in this series. I want to talk about asking God for big things in your life. I'm going to ask you today to sit up and pay attention. I'm going to ask you to show up each week because there are some of you who think that you can't ask God for big things. We've been so beat up about being humble and always having right motives and a right attitude that we're afraid to ask God for big things because we're afraid that our motives aren't always going to be pure. Let me let you in on a little secret. There's probably not a time ever that your motives are completely pure. I know, in the middle of the night when I'm giving my wife a back rub, it's not because I just want to give her a back rub. It's because I want her to give me a back rub, all right? Hey, come on, y'all. Our motives aren't always pure. Our motives aren't always right. We don't always have the best attitude in what we're doing. So, we've got to stop being afraid of asking God for big things, Listen, that's the thing I want you to hear throughout this series. we got to stop being afraid of asking God for big things. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Would you do that to your own kids? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a serpent. Would you do that? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let me read that again. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So what if we begin asking God for big things? What if we begin asking him for more land? What if we begin asking God for better parking? What if we began asking God for new buildings? What if you began asking God for a career instead of a job? What if you began asking God for better health in your body? Is that okay to do that? Is there somewhere in the Bible where we can go and see someone who did that? Someone who asked God for big things? Let's look at it in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, there's an interesting passage here where the writer is listing these genealogies. He's talking about fathers begatting sons and and husbands and wives together. When all of a sudden in verse 9, it seems like God interrupts what he's saying and shares a two-verse story about a man named Jabez. Then he goes back to listing the genealogies and it almost seems random. It almost seems like, God, did you just kind of get lost for a moment? How many of you know that there's not anything in the word of God that is in there by accident? That God's not an unintentional God, he's a very intentional God that wants us to understand from his word about his goodness. 
So he tells a story about a man named Jabez. Now, Jabez was a man who was born under some difficult circumstances. Some of you know what it was like to be born under some difficult circumstances or to live in difficult circumstances. But Jabez means sorrow or pain in Hebrew. And so his mother named him Jabez. First Chronicles chapter 4 says this. <clears throat> now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, it's very interesting that you hold on to that thought. That the Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called him Jabez, again, which means sorrow or pain, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, what a name to grow up with, to be defined with, right? Something happened. We, we don't really know exactly what happened. We don't know if it was just a very painful labor I don't know what the deal is, ladies. No, I'm just kidding. It, if it was a very painful labor, man, am I in trouble. Scratch that from the CD. A very painful labor, or if it was just the whole nine months was horrible. My wife had one nine-month experience that was awesome, one nine-month experience that wasn't quite so awesome. I won't tell you which one so the, that child doesn't feel bad. I don't know if, if there was something going on in, in, the, in the country that they were living in, if there was an economic downturn, or if a husband had passed away, but something happened. But his name was marked with pain, sorrow, or even trouble. Can you imagine growing up with a name like trouble? Kids can be pretty cruel sometimes, can't they? <clears throat> and I'm sure that they would often use his name in a very derogatory way. Hey, trouble, we don't want you playing with us. Hey, watch out, here comes trouble. Anytime something bad happened, guess who they blame? You guessed it, trouble. It would be horrible to be defined by a name like this. But listen, we don't have to be defined by the way that others have labeled us. Let me say that again for some of you. We don't have to be defined by the way that others have labeled us. We don't have to be defined by the way that others see us. We don't have to be defined by our past failures or our past mistakes. As followers of Christ, as children of the Most High God, we can run to God and cry out to him and allow him to define us. So watch Je Jabez. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is that there are some of you who still struggle with God's desire to bless you. Because you hear so many well-meaning Christians, well-meaning people who ask questions like, why on earth would you think that God wants to bless you when there are so many other Christians who don't seem to be blessed? Where can we go to in the word of God and find someone who asks to be blessed? Well, we find it right here in the prayer of Jabez. Now, just because you're in a good church doesn't mean God's blessings automatically fall on you. Just because you're hearing life-giving words does not mean that those blessings fall upon you. God doesn't base blessing upon location. Now, because you're here today, you're positioning yourself to be blessed, but blessing isn't based on location. You have to receive blessing by faith. Here's what Hebrews 11 says. I know many of you have heard this verse many times, but really watch this. Faith is the substance of things hope for. Are there some things that you're hoping for in your life? The evidence of things not seen. So before the thing shows up in your life, faith is, God, I'm hoping and believing that for my life. See, it takes faith to believe that God wants to bless you, but it also takes faith to go to God and ask him to bless you and to enlarge your territory. 
Because it goes against the grain of what we've been taught in church. It seems so demanding. But verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says this, that without faith it is impossible to please him. Talking about God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, not he was, not he used to be, but he is. He is what? He is God. He is able. And you got to hear this part. He is willing and that he is a rewarder, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, we operate in faith by going to God because we believe that he's giving. And then ask him to give us the things that he's already promised to give us. Are you all hearing me? Faith isn't a feeling or emotion that we work up. It's seeing God's grace. And when we see God in his grace, that's when he sees us in our faith. It's seeing God as a good God. It's seeing God as better than you can imagine, better than you can think. You've just begun to scratch the surface of how good God is. So even though all Christians don't have a revelation of this, and sometimes we see bad things happening to people, we're not going to focus on a lack of faith because we aren't here to point out problems. We are here today to point one another to Jesus to his goodness and to his grace. So do you think it's okay for us to make a personal request of God to ask God to bless us and enlarge our territory? Jabez thought it was okay. And if you remember from verse nine, the Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. So here it is again in verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge our territory. Now, how many of you recognize this is a request for prosperity? Don't spiritualize this and go, well, you know, he's probably wanting to build a tabernacle or something. No, he's, it's a request for prosperity. He's asking God for increase. He goes on, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil. <clears throat> He asked to be kept from evil. He's asking to be kept from things like poverty and sickness. Just so you remember, poverty and sickness are things that the evil one brings into your life, not the good one. So he keeps asking to be kept from evil. He's asking to be kept from all the schemes of the devil, but poverty and sickness is typically the thing that affects us the most. So he goes on, that I might not cause pain. And notice that he says that I might not cause pain, not that I might not be in pain. Listen, when the devil is causing pain in our lives, I can promise you it's causing pain in the lives of other people too. When you're worried and you're anxious and you're all stressed out, you get a little snappy. Maybe it's just the people in the 11 o'clock service. So when you're worried and stressed out, it affects others. When, when you're depressed, you have a hard time getting out of bed. There's no joy in your life. It affects others. When you're broke, it affects others. When you're sick, it affects others. You know, many of you know, you can tell from my voice this morning, that over the past several weeks, I've been really kind of struggling and dealing with a cough. I'm thankful today that by his stripes, I've been healed. So I thank God for his promises, not the this situation that I'm dealing with, and I'm getting better all the time. But I've been struggling with a cough. Now, my wife is the sweetest person I know. But I have to tell you that after a couple of days of me having a cough, I could tell she's ready for me to get over with it. She's ready for me to be done with it. Now, you all know what I'm talking about. 
Somebody in your family gets sick, and then the first thing is, oh, let me go get some aspirin for you. Let me get you a drink of water. You just go to bed, but about an hour later, hey, get up, slacker. What's wrong with you? You're better. It affects other people. See, one of the greatest benefits of God's blessing is that you don't cause pain. Instead of needing a blessing, you actually are a blessing for other people. That's why God blesses us, so that you can be blessed and be a blessing to others. The level that you're blessed is the level that you're able to bless others. So the question is, does God answer this kind of prayer? You think God's concerned about the prayer of Jabez? I mean, it sounds pretty self-focused to me, doesn't it? I mean, don't you think it does? Again, don't spiritualize your thing. So even though it's kind of self-focused, watch what God does. So God granted him what he requested. See, what this story helps us understand is that if we don't like the situation that we're finding ourselves in, the trouble that we're dealing with in life, we can go to God and make a personal request to change our situation even when our motives aren't completely pure, even when our motives and our attitude is not completely right. Now listen, God will help us with our wrong motives. God will help us with those times when we are operating in self-sufficiency, when we are not very humble, but he isn't going to do it by withholding from us or punishing us with poverty and sickness in order to teach us a lesson. God operates in unconditional love, not conditional love. His desire to bless you is based upon who he is, not on what you do. So God is okay with our personal request. He loves it when we call upon him. Look again at verse 9. It says this, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. What made him honorable? He called on the God of Israel. Is there a place for us today as children of God to make our requests known to God? having a better covenant, having better promises, because our new covenant is established upon the finished work of Jesus Christ and his shed blood for us, not on the inferior covenant that God said that he found fault with, that Jabez operated in, based upon the blood of bulls and goats. And yet, under this inferior covenant, Jabez made a request to God, and God called him honorable. See, why did God drop this little story of Jabez right here in the midst of all these genealogies? To encourage those of us who operate in the new covenant to know that just like Jabez, God desires to answer our prayers too. God loves to answer your prayers. I used to think, man, God, you want me to learn how to be self-sufficient. He does not want me to learn how to be self-sufficient. He wants me to let rest totally and completely in him, doing what I know to do, but constantly trusting him with everything in my life. See, it's time to start asking big over your life, over your marriage, over your finances, over your health, over our church, over our city, over our nation. It's time to start asking big. Do you believe what Ephesians 3.20 says, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what we could ask or even think according to the power of God that has worked within us? Do you believe that God enjoys you coming to him with your requests? Do you have faith in God's goodness and love for you that you go to him and you draw from him? That's what it means to operate in the new covenant. God gave Jabez what Jabez asked for. God didn't give his brothers who were under the same covenant the same thing. Why is that? Because they didn't ask. Why 
Jabez asked God for big things and God called him honorable. God loves it when we draw from him. I'm going to close and I'm going to ask Debbie if she would come to the keyboard today. I'm going to show you over the next few weeks why God loves it when we draw for him. Jesus loves us and loves it when we come to him and say, God, here's what's going on in my life. Can you help me walk through this? Jesus gives one reason in John 14 when he says this, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Can I tell you, every time God shows up in your life and does a miracle, it doesn't matter if you are not getting what you deserve, because how many of you are thankful that we typically don't get what we deserve? Every time that happens in your life, it's an opportunity for God to receive glory because your coworkers, your family, and your friends, they're watching your life. And then sometimes we don't even have to share a testimony. Our lives become a living testimony about the goodness of God, God showing up in our lives. He receives glory when he does amazing things in our lives. See, that's one of the reasons why we're asking everyone to be praying about what God would have them do during our capital campaign. We're asking you to get alone with God. There's a prayer journal that's available in the back that you can get and kind of walk through this month and time to just kind of get alone with God and kind of reconnect with the heart of God. Listen, when we pray and and set aside special times of, of really seeking the face of God, it doesn't motivate God to move more. We just begin to hear his voice more. He's already moving. He's already doing things in our life, but sometimes, like those old radios, you know, that get a little off on the old transistor radios, sometimes you got to dial it in a little bit by getting alone with God and hearing from Him. So we're asking you to pray about what it is that God would have you do, because we're going to see God do extraordinary things in our lives. We're going to see God do amazing things. We're going to see God bless us and enlarge our territories. Listen, again today, I want to tell you, you may not believe this yet. But I want to encourage you to step out in faith. Going, you know what? I've never seen that happen. I'm telling you, I have seen it happen. All these people that tithe faithfully to this house and give to this house, they're not people that have lost their minds. They didn't drink Kool-Aid in the back room somewhere, and now suddenly they just, I don't know why, but I just need to write a check today. They're people that have gotten a revelation that you can't outgive God. And you might go through some dry seasons. There might be some tests of your faith. But what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe that God desires to bless you? Again, we're going to see God bless us. We're going to see God enlarge our territories. We're going to watch him keep us from evil so that we don't have pain and so that we don't cause others pain. We'll be blessed so that we can be a blessed blessing to others. See, God considers it honorable to ask him for and believe him for big things. I want to ask you today in closing, will you ask God for big things today? Will you step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to believe you to do some big things in my life. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.